Hello, this is Norma Sheehan from the Heal Your Hole podcast, asking you to heal my hole for a change. The hole in my pocket. It's just a small one-off payment, no subscriptions, takes 30 seconds to do apparently. So you need to follow the support this show link in the show description. And every payment increases my healing power. So I can continue to tend to your lazy holes, hairy holes, needy holes, itchy holes, money holes, smelly holes, arseholes. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode number 68 of the Heal Your Whole podcast with myself, Norma Sheehan, where we have a look at all the various holes in your life, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, financial, comical, sexual, and we give them all a good seeing too. Last week I did Multi-Talented Hole with the author Caroline Grace Cassidy because she's talented in so many different areas and I'm reading her book now which is great. It's called The Unexpected Love Story of Lexi Byrne, age 39 and a half. Get it, buy it, order it, whatever. It is brilliant. And this week we are doing Parenting Hole with a psychotherapist, a parenting guru. Now, I'm not sure if she's Bethan or Bethan. I don't know her, but I kind of, kind of know, well, I know of her. I stalk her obviously on Instagram, B-E-T-H-A-N dot O'Reardon. And in her profile, if you subscribe to her teachings, you get these uh, free pointers every now and again, which is great. Um, Some of them are like um, how to recognise triggers, what triggers you from your child and ways around it and how to walk away. Self-care is another one. Keep your own tank, not empty, full. Don't punish yourself. Take responsibility for your lunacy if you are gone a bit bonkers and don't blame the child, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we'll give her a call. I don't know her, but she happens to live near my hometown in Cork. She's Earth Peak and I'm Whitechurch. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting to her. So I hope she takes the call. Hello, Bethan. Um, I, uh, your name is Bethan or Bethan? Bethan. I mean, everybody calls me Bethan, so don't worry if that slips out. Won't uh, won't hold it against you. <laughs> I I'm I'm a big fan of yours on um Instagram as a go to parenting advice hub, but I'm not part of your Facebook group yet. I'm a little bit nervous that anyone would hear about uh, the ways I parent. Your name comes from where? Wales. So my mum is Welsh. Um, so she always says, I wanted just to give you a really simple name that was really easy for everyone to understand. But I get so many variants of my name. It's like the least easy name ever. But that's OK. That's OK. I get loads of Bethany's and loads of Beth Ann's. And a lot of people just stop at Bet. They just the rest just falls off the radar. So that's OK. That's but nice. when I go to Wales on holiday, everyone, everyone manages it. So, um, so you're so just back from holidays. How did that go as a parenting guru? Oh, well, <laughs> do you know, um, bah, 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 what is the correct answer? Well, like it was fine. Do you know, I love going away with the kids because they're that little bit older now. Do you know when they were toddlers, it was crazy. My husband and I always said, why did we bother leaving the house? Everything we need is there. Why did we bother trying to do it somewhere else? But now the kids are a bit older and we were in the highlands of Scotland and they were just cycling around and playing and having fun and... You know, but then they were up really late. So then sort of ensued all the madness the next day of them staying up really late. What what age are they again? They're 10, 8 and 6. So like they can feed themselves, they can dress themselves. You know, it's getting easier. And how long was it since you'd seen your mum? It was a year, just over a year. So it's lovely. She did like my washing and stuff for me, you know, and did like... <laughs> folded my top so I didn't have to iron them do you know all that sort of stuff um, and it was just lovely do you know it was really really nice just to see people do you know it was dead normal I do agree though um, holidays with anything under the age of five even really is just is not a holiday and you need a holiday afterwards because yeah. with babies you have everything at home and you're just about surviving so if you take you out of that environment it's extra pressure and it makes you slightly tireder than you were at home now it does open your mind and I know we go have to go places and change and to appreciate stuff and to you know not completely go inside ourselves but it can be exhausting as 
you know, as a, when mine were younger, so mine are older than yours now, but when they were very young, I just found holidays tough. Yeah, yeah. And even when we were on the plane, the kids could just read or they could, I don't, I don't know what they were doing. I was sleeping, you see, and they were fine. Nobody told me to stop them doing anything. So, you know, it was all right. But then I saw another mum who had, you know, one baby on her chest and one in a pram and one other one. And it just like, I almost looked back and thought, oh my God, like, and like that, she was trying to breastfeed as well. So there was boobs and milk everywhere. And I thought, I so remember being that mum, <laughs> you know, I so remember it. And you just look back and you think, God, how did we get through? That was crazy. You know, sleepless nights, eyes hanging out of you. I took the twins to New Zealand with my husband when they were one. Um, they were oh. just turned one and um, over to see the grandparents. And cause they, they're Australian, but they were living in New Zealand at the time. I swore I'd never fly again and I have no idea how we were all still together at the end of it. It was horrific. Like, I mean, there was 20 hours in the air, 50 hours in airports. Like, there was nine flights in total. It was mildly traumatic. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy, isn't it? And then you survive and you come home and you think, oh, that wasn't so bad, but you still remember it, don't you? You know? I think it was not even great for the kids. I think they were unwell by the end of it because putting them out of their time zone, sure, down there, they were asleep by day and awake by night. So we couldn't connect with the family. They never... The stress of it. Yeah. They never fully adjusted to the new time zone until like the day before we left. See, I've never been that brave. The furthest I ever took the kids was Paris Disneyland. And it was completely mad. Even in the airport in Cork, on the way over there, my son, he was really little. And I had him like a rugby ball under my arm. He was like, he was three or four months old. And he had really bad reflux and he vomited all over a fake tree in Cork Airport. Just as we were getting on the plane. And now I look at the tree and I think, oh, it's still there. And um, that was, it was a slippery slope, you know, and everyone's singing it's a small world after all. I was like, Christ, this could get you institutionalised, this could. (laughs) Just completely mad, completely. Um, When you said there about your child projectiling in the airport, two of mine got constipated on the last flight home. It was a business flight from London back to Ireland and they were screaming and we, we couldn't, we were coming into, we had them on our laps, arses out and the two of them trying to poo and the, they like, but after all the flying, they were literally shiting bullets by the end of it. It was terrible. And I had another, I had another friend who, uh, she had a, a, an OCD problem with germs when we were in college. So she couldn't use someone's spoon. You know, she couldn't eat out of the same crisp bag. She would be very, you know, together she had one toddler and she kind of coped with that and then after that she when the toddler was maybe one she had triplets triplet boys with projectile vomiting gut problems and funnily enough she got over her germ issue and her beautiful house just looked like a smelly squat there was I don't know was it puke milk shite we were smelling you were afraid to go in and sit in her house it was so bad while those triplets were young But that's it, isn't it? I mean, like, that is the level of chaos that having small children is, you know? And and this is where I think, you know, when I talk to mums, they have these expectations of themselves. I I say, have no expectation, just try and get through it. However that looks, just try and get through it. Dress your kids, don't dress your kids. Shave your armpits, don't shave your armpits. Whatever works, you know, wash, don't wash. Just get through it, you know? You're so right. And I I do remember with the fear of the twins um, hurting each other or me dropping one or one choking on a carrot at the same time as the other. It was it was quite traumatic. So I, I basically turned one room into a padded cell and I never had to go upstairs or out of the room because I had all their clothes in a drawer. They only wore baby grows or like comfy clothes for the first, Jesus, I'd say they were nearly in school before they got something respectable to it. <laughs> yeah. But that's it, isn't it? You know, you just have to do whatever to get by. And yeah. if you do that, I think then you've won the battle. Because I think all kids, I think now there's so much information about what kids need. And, you know, like there's so many activities you can do with kids. And But I think all kids really need is for the mum to be okay. And being okay doesn't mean this kind of Mary Poppins, you're like Blue Peter doing activities all the time. It's just that you can get through it. You know, and I think if you can create that internal gauge of what getting through it means to you then then you're winning you know yeah and I love your um do you mind me mentioning your five steps um on here or is it secretive or give us a brief run through of 
it really helps no, me from time it. to time. I um, can never remember the last two of them though, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> well, I th- I think the, the the first one is is basically the triggers to know your triggers. And that takes a bit of time. Yes. I was trying to think of my triggers and I sat down and I realized if I knew my triggers and I'm I'm finding ways around them and how I'd ideally like the situation to be because that's that's kind of where you were guiding us and my triggers are definitely connected to when the kids suddenly decide to go baking I get out the house get out the room go away I actually nearly now give them because they're old enough there's a tenner go up and get the ingredients or 20 or whatever and do your baking because it rarely works out and you, they come say it could be 20 quid of ingredients they'll one of them put three whole Kerrygold butters instead of buying the cheap other one Kerrygold butters into some type of a cheesecake like I mean Again, I had to get out of the house because I was just thinking of why didn't we buy a feckin' cheesecake for three euro instead of spending 20 and you not reading the ingredients right. But then I kind of have to bring myself back down off the ledge and go, okay, yes, they've left the kitchen in a mess. Yes, no one will ever be able to eat this piece of poo. But like the crack they've had, what they've learned and it's to walk away. That's what I find hard. Yeah, I think the walking away bit's massive, isn't it? Like, we all get triggered by mad stuff. Like, noise is a real trigger for me. The the noise of the boys playing the Nintendo Switch, the buttons, make me want to throw them and the Switch out the window. So I have to sit in a different room from them. And I mean, like, it's mad. Here's me, a therapist of 15 years, and that's the one thing that drives me flipping cuckoo. But I think what it is, is you see, I think that sort of stuff is related to the parenting legacy which we've inherited so like you and me uh, and and all parents out there the parenting that we're doing is the parenting which we received from our moms and dads which they received from their moms and dads and it's almost like it's our turn to disseminate it and see if it still fits and that takes a long time because you know, I often say to people, did you open your mouth and your mother fell out? And they're like, yes, and I didn't want her to fall out. I was going to say something really insightful and powerful in that moment. And instead, I just told the kids to fuck off or whatever, do you know? <laughs> and you see, <laughs> you know, I was going to do a huge piece of mindful work with them. And I just, you know, shouted at them. And I think, you see, that's because, like, our brains can't remember everything we've ever learned every emotion otherwise we'd be totally bananas and so when we parent our our brain switches into the default mode of like okay this must be how it's done but then i think of my mum who was born in the 50s and she still remembers rations i mean she might not appreciate me saying that but she does and so her mum was raising her in a time just after the second world war she'd lost everybody she knows you know she remembers air raid attacks you remember she shows used to tell me a story that she was sitting in the theater and a bomb just came and landed on the stage and they just had to go so so my mom was raised in this time of total fear and especially i remember with food her saying you know she just wanted my mom to eat all the time because she remembered the people coming back from concentration camps but my mom never wanted to eat And then, so that parenting went into my mom, which then went into me. So then we've got all this kind of shit to sift through before we can actually be the parent we want to be, if that makes sense. Totally makes sense because it's completely different times. And a lot of those women weren't allowed to have a job. They weren't allowed, they they had to give up their work. Um, They weren't allowed to have ownership of properties. They weren't allowed to use contraception. So we're taking all that on as well. And the guilt and the religion and the rations, as you say. Yeah, I mean, you see, honestly, the religion is totally new to me because I'm not Catholic. And the first time I saw a nun, I was in Dublin. I can't remember if it was with my friend or with a husband. With No, just one husband, just with my husband. And um, I said, oh, look, there's someone off to a fancy dress party. And they said, no, that's a nun. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so the religion bit is completely new to me. You know, all, all the, I always get the three C's mixed up, the communion, the confirmation, the, I don't know what the other one is. Christening. Yeah, it's all totally new. Christening, that's it, the christening. Like, you know, it's totally new to me. So I, I don't have that to deal with, but it is a big thing. And especially where we live here, we don't go to mass. So we're the people that don't go to mass, you know, but yeah. Um, yeah. So no, it's 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 well. You're you're now living near to the village I grew up in. So yes, religion is yeah. is still um prominent in the countryside and the communion, christening, confirmation. 
But I think they're all just pulling the mickey. Like, n- none of them actually go to Mass. They all give out about the whatever, the, the, the ceremony and this and that and the other. Part of it is just to get out the house and to, to, if you go into a church, it can be peaceful and you sit there and blah, blah, blah. But I think the church is a thing of the past. Good luck. Good night. And good luck. Not even the elderly people now have missed it madly during COVID. Oh, really? And, you know, during COVID here, so I'm kind of like down the Rathpeacon way and um, I'm I'm really involved in my community association. And I started a project to interview the senior members. I was like, guys, what job me to call you? And they were like, not elderly. So the senior members of the community with their stories around um, around living in Rathpeacon, because they still remember when the Ford was down the road and bringing horses to get their shoes changed. So I wanted to do something that gave them something to do. And I heard so many stories. And then they were saying that they'd love like a mass to be organised for I don't know, people they've lost during COVID. But I said, guys, this is well out of my remit. Um, I got asked to leave a church once with my kids at my sister-in-law's communion because I was sitting on the bit up the front that I call a stage, but my husband says is called something else. It's like um Altar. The altar. Yeah. So I was sitting there with the kids because they were really small. I had two kids under two at that time and they just didn't want to sit in the seat. And the priest asked me to get off the altar. So I said, oh, fuck this, I'm going home. <laughs> and I wasn't like on the bit at the top with the candles on. But I just thought, oh, that's so intolerant that you can't be dealing with. Do you know? And they were very small and... Because we don't go to mass, they'd never seen anything like it. So they were, and there was only our family and one other family. Yeah. And I just thought, oh. And then, though, one of my neighbours said to me, it's really bad manners. She says, it's just so misbehaved of the children not to sit in their seat. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so different to like in America, get up and swing your arms and sing and jump around. And whereas here, it's definitely, oh, what would the neighbours think? What would the neighbours think? Now, it's getting a bit better, but I do remember taking my gang to a, a niece's communion and um they don't they went to an educate together so they, they don't know anything about um religion well they know about every religion actually but they don't know about the procedures that go on in in the church or catholic yes. church and when they saw um my niece eating um the bread and i they said what what's what, what's the, what's that cracker I said, or what's, what's she eating and i said oh she's eating jesus's body and one of mine shouted up the church stop eating jesus's body and then i said and the priest is the priest is drinking his blood <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's a good point, you know. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant, isn't it? And I did walk out of a church you might know, maybe just pre-COVID, because the priest was going on and on about, look, if you're not a, re- I'm sick of these people just coming and going and flitting in and out and whatever and blah blah blah. If you're not a, I was like, you take what you can get, buddy. If someone had just wandered yeah. in here, a lost soul, and this was the first day they'd come in in three years, and you're telling them, get out, because they're not here every Sunday. You know what? I got up and I walked out I, just halfway through. I was just like, enough already. God, it was yeah. so, un- so unwelcoming. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Apart from the triggers, um, your next thing then was, um, I love the one about just walking away and make sure you've enough self-care. So if you've topped up your own battery, so with like a walk or a meditation or whatever, you'll have a full tank and you're less likely to lose the plot. Whereas if you have an empty tank and you've done nothing for yourself and you're busy multitasking, snacking, um, and, and oh God, I'm a terror for like multitasking. And I did like what you said about if your own tank is full with a bit of self-care and it can be something simple like, a, Jesus, I don't know, go and watch your favourite show or do a bit of yoga or do shopping or yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think like, so every day, like when, when I meet people, I say, just have a think about your non-negotiables. Like, what are the things that make you feel really good? And for me, I get up every day and have a glass of water. So I always wake up really like dehydrated. I feel like a raisin. And then I sit and have a whole pot of tea by myself. And that just sets me upright. And then I take a break every two hours and I sit down and I read something or I listen to a podcast and I just stop. And I say to the kids, no, 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 no. And they keep coming up to me. Mom, what about I say? No, no, no. And it's only like 15 minutes. You know, it's not like I'm there for hours. And then after a little bit, the kids just came and sat with me. So during lockdown, we stopped for 11sies every day. I mean, we were as fat as fools at the end of it. But we just stopped and it was really nice. And it made it made us kind of like, do you know, um, 
I want to say recombobulate, but I don't even know if that's a word, but that's how it felt, you know, and it made all the kids calm down so they weren't shouting at each other. And we just sat and drank tea and we had cake or we sometimes had healthier stuff than cake. And it just makes me, I know that for me, that makes me be the best parent I can be because I'm making me number one. And when I'm number one, everyone else seems to be all right. So that's always my gig is to try and make me number one. I think you're so right because I have a sister who she's a great parent but she does lose the plot if she doesn't get her in her, in her own bit of aerobics or her own bit of meeting the pals time. And um, you've inspired me there. Now, I am going to, we've moved house, so I don't even have a, a dining table at the moment. But to have a table and gather them all oh. around and stop giving out about the sugar and the sweets and whatever. Lash a load of buns and hot chocolate on the table. I'm going to tr- start doing a like an 11s or a 6pm's or whatever's because you do have to dangle an old sugary carrot in front of them to get them to, to hang out with you sometimes. Yeah, I think so. I think it's kind of like, do you know, like I do not talk their language. I'm older than them. I'm more crankier than them. I'm not. But, I, you know, I want to have a good relationship with my kids, which I do. And I think it's because I listen to them and I respect them. You know, I understand that they have developing. So, you know, children have developing brains. Like the brain isn't developed till you're about 25. So sometimes asking even an eight-year-old to do something, it's like asking someone to drive a car with no wheels or a steering wheel. They don't get it. But if you can sit down and reduce all the noise around them with a sugary bun or a carrot dipped in um, icing sugar, (laughs) then you're winning, you know? I always try and have a pack of cards handy as well so we can have just a quick game of sevens or rummy or something that doesn't take too much mental toll from me. You know, yeah, I got a I got a swing ball into the garden, and it's it might only be three oh, minutes. I go, amazing. well, what have you joined me? And they no, and then I I'd be banging the ball out for two minutes myself, and one of them will join me, and it's just a great one because you don't have to play yeah. for two hours. It's not like Monopoly, you just play a bit. I love what you no, said. No. I, I, I love what you said a second ago about a raisin. I always say that to the kids. When you get up in the morning, your brain is a raisin. You're dehydrated. So before you reach for the crispies or the whatever, have a glass of water because you can turn that crusty brain of a raisin into a grape. You can turn it back into a grape for the day if you have a glass of water in the morning. And that is my one non-negotiable with the kids is to have a glass of water in the morning. After that, I'm like, you know whatever do whatever you want slippery slope but you but you think they think we're mad and that we're like 102 when we bang on about the water all the time <laughs> well the morning but it makes them nicer people and it makes them eat like it makes everyone nicer i think totally and we never sure sure my granny lived to 102 and she said i never had a glass of water in my life i don't know what all that water stuff was about <laughs> so maybe we're wrong but i i laughed at you you said that you um uh, you had, you were breastfeeding a baby once in your accountant's office, I think it was, and he was going through something you'd done all wrong and said, as you were sitting there breastfeeding, he said, well, I think you're going to go off to prison, the state, the state of what you've done or something like that. And you obviously didn't end up yeah. in prison. But it reminded me of a day that I went in, I was finally going to get a pension, which I still haven't done. I was finally going to get, going to get a pension and the bank brought me in and big meeting, two fellas in suits. And I had one of them on the boob, the youngest. And... Uh, that was grand. I, I stuck the boob back in anyway, you know, when they arrived into the room. Well, didn't she shit for Ireland? Like the, the I, I never, <laughs> the, it, it was resonating through the room. We got over that. She must have had a tummy bug because we had to call the meeting. They were going, it's fine, it's fine. I've never smelt anything like it. The smell through the room and like at the eyes in stitches, they were pretending everything was okay. This small little cubicle with no air and the three of us and the baby just squirting and smelling. And I ended up just going, look, I'm sorry, I'm out of here. I can't make a decision. I actually can't breathe anymore. I'm hallucinating. <laughs> Go. We all need like a snorkel and a mask just to get through this. Do you have, do you have a spare oxygen tank? <laughs> but isn't it mad, the situations that you're in and everyone tries to be all cool in the gang about it. But there's like a nipple slipping out here and there. And, and when I was breastfeeding, my, my milk was real squirty when it came out. <laughs> So if it slipped out, there could be like a dollop on the table. You know, like, like it almost could get in your tea. <laughs> you know? Oh, you're a danger. Yeah, very, very awkward. Yeah. But this, I'm trying to think what they said to me. So I'd done something wrong with my taxes. And um, the guy came in and he just said, um, look, you're probably going to go to prison for this. Um, <laughs> you know, you're probably going to go to, is it the Dokas? I'm not great with Irish pronouncements of things, even though I try. 
and um, he said, and your name is going to be spread over the media. And I said, well, what am I going to do with my other child? You know, I was like, I've got an 18 month old as well. And he's like, oh, I don't know. And then it ended up being fine. It ended up that the tax man owed me money in the end. <laughs> but that took a year to get to the point where he owed me money. But it was crazy. I'm just there boobing away, you know. But you know what? I think we, worrying is a waste of time. Worrying is like paying interest on a debt you haven't received. Your health is everything and your sanity with your kids is everything. Because like I, I've never slapped my kids, but I've had the impulse to do it. So... I understand people who don't have as much restraint as I do because the impulse has been there in particular situations to go right now. My body is telling me to give you a smack. Now, I'm not going to do it because they're Jesus. I'm glad I didn't because they remember everything. They're older now. And even the time you might put one in another room to separate them from biting the head off each other, literally biting chunks out of each other. um, They would say, oh, you used to just be so used to be mean and rough and you'd lock me in a room. Lock you in a room. You just took a chunk out of the other one's arm. I had to deal with it. Do you know what I mean? So they remember it. Was, control. Yeah. <laughs> or that you threw us out the car and you threw my friend out as well and she was crying. And I'm going, oh God, I did. But like we were 10 metres from, 20 metres from home. Do you know what I mean? I was trying to teach you a lesson. So now I just, I get out the car myself. I pull over and go, sorry, we're going to be late guys actually because I yeah. need to go and talk to this tree over here for two minutes and recharge my battery before I get back in the car. Yeah. But I think that's lovely though as well, right? Because I think the biggest mistake, and I made this mistake as well in parenting was thinking that it's the children that have to change but really we have very little control over other people I mean like we have rules in our house you know like you can't hurt someone else and you can't break stuff but I mean every day someone breaks something and they hurt someone else and it's because the children haven't developed you know their brain is developing so they have not developed like impulse control in boys kicks in at about 11 you know, so asking it and sharing, the sharing part of the brain develops at three. So they don't they don't know how to manage it. But I don't like sharing stuff. You know, I'm older than three. <laughs> mine is mine. <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes we ask so much of children. But if we could just walk away instead and children are like roller coasters. If they're having a shit attack, they come down from it eventually. We just have to give them space to. And like that, we've often been late for stuff because I'm like, guys, I just need to go calm down a little bit because it is really distressing and it's really overwhelming and every part of our evolution protective mechanism is saying hurt these people and protect yourself you can't they're your children you know so i think you make a great point the power is in the parents control to change things it's it's, we should be given a a, like a chart actually because you've given so many points in the last few seconds that the child isn't brain isn't developed fully till twenty five, um, the three year old only a three year old will not share up to a certain point or you know up to the age of three, um, an eleven year old boy d- doesn't know how to restrain um aggression and violence up to whatever age, like yeah. we should be given that chart and then we'd make allowances. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. For them. So on your groups, like do what kind of groups do you do and where can people sign up to them? Well, I have my free Facebook group, Calm and Confident Parenting, and I try and share as many tips as I can in there. So there's loads of videos about how to manage being overwhelmed, understanding children's emotions. And then I have my paid membership, which I open twice a year, which is where we do two monthly trainings. I got one monthly training around like... I don't know, anger or nutrition or something helpful. And then there's a live question and answer with me. 
and we're also in a Facebook group so people can ask me questions whenever they want. But I think the the thing that's, I mean, all that's really helpful. But if people want to really get into the nitty gritty, I offer something called the parent map because people say, oh, I wish I had a book for parenting. And I say, well, you can. You just need to figure out how do you want something to go and work backwards from there? But also it's about being really flexible within that plan and really knowing that, like if you want a child to go to bed at a certain time or stay in their bedroom, this is a big one, or, you know, then there's plans you can put in place to try and make that happen. But this is a long-term thing, you know, change doesn't happen overnight. Um, And I try and share as much as I can. You know, if people ask me a question on Instagram or whatever, I just try and reply because I think... You know, I've been that mom that really felt bad in herself and couldn't cope and was all stressed out moving to White Church and everyone, I couldn't understand anyone when I moved here. It was so, everyone was so rural with the accent. Then I never want a mom to feel lost or alone or ashamed or embarrassed or guilty. Like, kids just do mad shit and we need to accept it, you know, and accept other kids' mad shit as well and it'll be fine. You're amazing. I'd love to do something with you in Whitechurch, seeing as it's my home. I can't think right now, but I'd love to do, I don't know, that you could like give a seminar and I could be like this example on the stage of what not to do or something. <laughs> I, could... I am, I want, do, you know, do you know what, right? I'm always trying to get people to do this. So there's one thing that's come to mind. I once did a talk in Freud. For, oh, ah, White Church. Yeah, sorry. And uh, just to put it into context, I used to think the national anthem was called In Rod Aaron. <laughs> because at the time, my husband and I were dating and he moved back to Cork and I was getting the train all the time. But that must have just infiltrated my brain and I've made that mad connection. I know it's not now. But in Freud, I did a chat to them about and consent. And for some reason, porn came up and I said to the boys, you know, girls, we don't want sex to be like a porn movie. We want more than that, don't we? And these poor 16-year-old girls were looking at me like, do we? <laughs> I was like, we do, we do. <laughs> we want more than porn has to offer. It's completely mad. But the thing that I'm always trying to get someone to do to me, not to me, with me, <laughs> is, um, is, you see, we all have different characters in our brain. You know, so uh, like I always think of them in different profiles, like a huge part of my training was acting in being a psychotherapist, because it's not about fake it till you make it. It's about act it till you become it, you know, and what that does, it rewires the brain. And I, I mean, I don't I mean, you know, Norma, you're obviously a qualified actor, act, actor, actress. I never know. I don't mind. Call, call me what, call me whatever you want. If you have a job for me, I always say. Uh, but I, I, I act every day. Honestly, I, I, I improvise. It's, it's the best thing I use as a parent, is being able to. Oh, yeah. himself is singing downstairs now. That's yeah. All right, my kids are, are fucking each other out of it outside the room. So but the, but the acting comes in so handy. Adapt, improvise, overcome, or just improvise within the situation. I swear to God, it's ha- having no shame. Sometimes it's really handy just to get to get over yeah, kids yeah. situations. And I love your stuff on Instagram because you're you're just so out there. Like anyone who who has just follow you on Instagram. It's what is it? Beth Ann Beth Ann Yeah, Beth Ann But you know, normally like parenting is so serious. Do you know, I meet people, people have come and said to me before, I'm thinking of, I'm having thoughts of killing my child. And I say, okay, well, let's sit down and work this out. And invariably they're not, well, they are, but they've just got stuck in a thought pattern in the brain and it's frightened them so much. Or I meet other parents that are like, God, my kid's a real pain in the hole. (laughs) And I say, okay, um, what do you want to do about it? You know, so I meet this whole range of parents and if we don't laugh about it, like it could be really serious. Yeah. You know, and I just think if we can have a laugh with this stuff. And, and you see, we have characters in our minds, you know, so our brain works in patterns. And we have an angry pattern, a shame pattern, a guilt pattern. And we have a pattern as well that's like an inner helpful ally. And that's like your improvisation part. So my work with mums is, okay, what would you say to your best friend? to someone who walked into, you know, your best friend walked into the room and said, oh, I just feel like I'm just really fucking this up. You'd say something really nice and kind, you know? Yeah. So my work is we improvise, I guess is the word. I, you, know, um, you know, we make up this really helpful character in the mind 
that understands why you find it so hard. And it's because you bring everything in your life that brought you to that point, all the highs, all the lows, all the rejections, all the feeling good, you bring them in parenting. And then this little tiny person mirrors back all of your insecurities to you. So that's where the whole acting bit comes in and really building up that pattern in the brain so that becomes a default mode not the other poorly functioning default mode and look if a reel on instagram dancing around to prodigy helps people do that then great yeah i love today's post (laughs) you're amazing and and you're so right because we have to get rid of the whatever our parents have drilled into us we have to get rid of the old habits and like we wouldn't have been huggers as a family so i have to remind myself to hug the kids And also what my mother really gave us is, you know, it's good to have a capable child. So our mother was mad into the old bit of neglect. Um, So what we're just five very capable kids because she physically had rheumatoid and stuff like that. So she wasn't able to do a lot of physical stuff. Um, So we're all so able because of it. Um, So I think a tiny pinch of neglect is healthy. Um, hugs are oh, so important. I, I bet you're a hugger. I bet you're a hugger. Well, do you know, <clears throat> kind of. But one of my kids hates hugs, and oh. I do have this fear that he got it off me, because when <laughs> like when I had him, I suffered with postnatal depression, and it's always there in the back of my mind. Jesus, I want no. If stop I blaming yourself. Me. Stop blaming yourself. But I actually yep. then don't. I Good. think do you know what? I absolutely did my best at the time, and when they when they ha- when they're up for a hug. I'm there. My daughter says, I need a hug now. And I say, great, because I have loads of them ready. I think the most common mistake parents make as well is that they think they need to be with their children all the time. You know, like attachment is a real buzzword at the minute. Like I'm just attaching to my child. And and, and it's like, well, you didn't say if you were anxiously attaching or, um, you know, securely attaching or, but kids don't need to be with us all the time. In fact, they need the opposite. They need you to be there when they need you to be there. And that can be tricky to figure out sometimes, but they need to go away and then come back. Yeah. So I think you're totally right. And I think in some ways, lockdown was great for me for that because I, I i still went to work and my husband was here with them but he had to work as well so they had to learn to cook themselves yeah you know so they could they, they burned themselves they cut themselves a little bit but now they can do it so when we were on holiday in scotland my eight-year-old made a chicken curry and a carbonara for everyone one night and yeah. it was just amazing so i think kids need to problem solve yeah which means they need to make a mistake and they need to be left alone one of them lifted the grill on the barbecue the other night um she was out doing s'mores with her teenage friends and uh the friend oh, came no. in going oh her hand is all burnt and i said tell her run it under cold water but but she's have to burn your hand i said she won't do it again like she'll never lift up the grill of a barbecue again in her life so that's you know it was only a bit of yeah. an old blister but instead of why, why did you do that why did you do that no nah, that's a brilliant lesson she'll never burn herself on a barbecue again now she's all her fingers yeah. still. <laughs> I think so. And <laughs> even then, and you know, like we never had um, childproof crockery. We did for a little bit. And then I needed it for something else. So I passed it on. But so our kids just got, our kids just broke stuff all the time, you know. And then I'd go to the charity shop and I'd buy more stuff because I didn't want them ruining me good Jamie Oliver bits. And um, now they don't break stuff because mm. that's that, you know, and they didn't. I mean, I can't remember if they hurt themselves. Maybe they did, but like, who knows, you know? So I think kids, like you will only learn. I I do think if you do have precious Jamie Oliver, Waterford Crystal, anything jewellery you like, just put it away for 15 years. Like if you really are that hooked on it, don't leave it in any way accessible by the child. I I just don't get that people with the precious furnishings around children. No, I mean, like, we have nothing fancy in the house. I mean, the house is literally, we were very lucky. We built it eight years ago, and now the skirting board's hanging off. There's lights. I don't even know what you call them because we got rid of them. (laughs) Lampshades. (laughs) You know, like, in the hallway where the boys play football, they just kept smashing. And, like, you know, during COVID, what else could you do? You know, you couldn't be like, don't play football. What what else will we do? You know, because sometimes they just need to do that. And I think... You know, being precious about stuff doesn't work. And I remember someone saying to me, I want my child to show respect and understand. What was the word? It was a crazy word. You know, understand the real meaning of what this means. And I said, but they don't. And they're never going to. So leave it. 
you know and it's as simple as that once you let go of it you're like oh great <laughs> great yeah and easier I, for everyone I have a big because I've heard a few very sad stories during COVID of kids with depression and you know not good stories at all and I'm just so happy that my kids are happy so even if they're like going through 10 bottles of fake tan a week whatever who cares you know at least it's not yeah, that's it. at least it's not 10 bottles of vodka yet yeah, that we know of I mean you know I'm yet I'm yet to find the stash who knows yeah, yeah. and I think you see like like that I've heard a lot of stories about kids with depression or kids developing anxiety and I think well I know this in my work a parent is the best therapist for a child okay you know like you can and I don't mean send your child to therapy yeah you know but it's often the relationship with the parent that can heal and a lot of parents, that seems like great pressure, but it's also, you know, it's the way it is. So it's happening anyway. Yeah. So, you know, if the parents can, and it's not about upskilling in themselves necessarily, but it's like if you can really sit with someone in emotional pain and not want to fix it and not go all mother like, um, okay, so what do we do about it? And, you know, I'm going to get a book on mindfulness for you. Then we'll do affirmations and then we're going to do all this, all this stuff, which is, I mean, you know, to anyone that's listening, if that works, great, keep it going. But what kids really want you to do is to sit in the shit with them and just sit there and say, yeah, I know that's really hard for you. I know that's really hard. And just use empathy because anytime we get a difficult emotion in the brain or a child does, it's almost like that, that part of the brain is floating around in space and it's got nothing to anchor to. So if we can anchor that difficult emotion within like a kind of, I was thinking of it like a fried egg, like yeah. the yolk is the hard emotion and yeah. the white is the parent, yeah. just showing empathy. And I say just because it's really hard, yeah. you know, and, and it can be a whole new thing if, if no one's ever shown that to you before, you know, which is why I say, well, imagine what you'd say to your friend, your best friend, do that yourself. And if you don't have any friends, imagine someone you really admire, like Mother Teresa or one of these people, you know, what what would you say to them? And then if you can anchor that emotion within the emotional safety of you just being there, all you have to be as a parent is there. You don't need all the extra bits and bobs. Then you are the egg white to their yolk. <laughs> oh my god, that's lovely. <laughs> if that makes sense. Luckily, I like eggs. That's good. Um, but the, and yeah, and, and all... <laughs> if you're a vegan, choose something else. <laughs> if uh, if if you like, if you say someone told me once to say, "I see that you're upset," or "I can I can I can sense that you're a little bit blah blah blah," and never go in with, "I know how you feel, and this is what you should do." Just say nothing or just go, I I see you're a, a bit, whatever. Just that's as much as you can go because they'll shut down if you start saying, yeah. I understand, which you can't because you're not their age and you're, you're not in their boots. Yeah, and you see, they also probably don't understand either, you know, and especially with the teenage brain, like the teenage brain, like you're in the you're in the throes of it at the minute, but the teenage brain, brain can be so reactive. And the other thing is, is that the teenage brain has a very poor memory. So if they flipped out about something yesterday that was really important to them at that time, they may not even remember it the next day. So a lot of parents could be like, well, you did this yesterday too. And they're like, I did what yesterday? You know, so it's really important just to develop the skills of letting things go, which is really hard. And also just just the whole empathy, like, I know this is really hard for you. Yeah. You know, and and, and that's all a child needs. Yeah, and it can take a lot for a parent to get to that point. I'm, 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 I wasn't a very, I wasn't a very nice. I was actually, I was a perfect student up to the age of probably fourteen or something, and then I was a nightmare. I was a nightmare from fifteen to whatever. So I, I remember that like yesterday. So when I see my yeah. um teenage girls, you know, there's so much hormone stuff going on, like that. When they're having a bad day, I just walk away and have a something about. I suppose blood is thicker than water in that if that was a friend that was being that horrible to me, I'd go, well, I'll be leaving her alone for a month. She's cantankerous. But there's something with your child that you just go, there's a little smirk inside going, oh, my God, (laughs) she's a she's a bit crusty today now. But it's always gone in a few hours. And it's similar to I still get PMT like Um, we're only human. Yeah, me too. And after the kids, it's got worse. But I think, um, but yeah, and you see what, like what's happening in that moment is, is that a child is having an emotional reaction, but you're making it safe for them. Because there's nothing as unsafe as feeling like you're losing your mind. 
when you're not, you're just a teenager. And I remember as well, like I was um, not the easiest a teenager people say, but inside I just felt really, really sad by life and all, and like that no, literally nobody knew where I was coming from. So I think it's lovely that you could do that, Norma. It's so respectful and it's so what they need. Well, I see, unfortunately, when I was a teenager, I thought anything over the age of 39, like probably could be shunted out of here ancient crusty i also believe yeah. no one on the planet understood how tough i had it that that teenager is the toughest time and it's no one gets me no one understands my life i have it harder than anyone else like it didn't matter if if a relative was dying of cancer it didn't matter if there was a bomb in somewhere i was still tougher my life was still tougher man because i was 15 16 that's i remember that narrative in my head so i'm so forgiving yeah. of teenagers um, I mean, unless they're out being violent or being nasty to the elderly or something like that. But other than that, you know, it's tough in the brain. Yeah, I think so. And I also think it's like a mad old time to be doing, um, what's it called here? You're leaving, sir, and all that stuff. Do you know, like I, I, I meet a lot of students who come to me who just can't cope. They're like, this is mad. It's too much. It's too full on. And I think it's a really hard time in life for them. And I think you know any of the teenagers I met during Covid life was really hard I mean at least mine were still you know they're all they were all under 10 at the time I was enough entertainment for them you know they didn't need more than me and my husband which was lucky (laughs) you know but the teenagers that yeah no some some teenagers got very low with the whole isolation and I'm blessed that my two teenagers were identical twins who even if they were killing each other it was still an, an interaction and the younger one yes she had less company, but she is only two years younger than them. So they were similar. She's mad into her activities and stuff. So she was fine. But like, yeah. So I'm going to have to wrap up because we've. I could talk to you for like the, the rest of the, the year. Um, but is there any any little message there to the to the listeners before you go? Um, because you're so calming and soothing and breath of fresh air. I don't want to hang up, but yes, I have to wrap it up at some point. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I mean, my kids are going to start eating the door if I don't go and provide them with something, even though they can cook. You know, it's when, it's when they know you're on a call, they need more. But I, I think it's just really important for parents to remember that you're enough, you know, and what you offer is enough, right? It, there's no such thing as perfect because it's just what you offer is enough. But if you think there is things that can change or things that you want to do differently, then go for it. And I think like one one last thing, if it's okay for me to say, is that, you know, as I said earlier, we can't remember all of our emotional, all of our emotions as they were developing. But what happens is, is that when our kids get older, our brains release memories of what it was like to be that age. So if you were bullied at the age of 10, say, for example, and your child reaches 10, just know that you might find that really hard. And it's not that your child is being bullied. It's that your memory, your brain is having a memory of that happening to you. And that's and that I say is most of my work is kind of deciphering the bits where it's like, what is my shit and what is my child's actual life? And how do I not spill myself into my child's world? But really, you're enough. You know, you're just enough. And bake it till you become it you know act it till you are the person you want to be oh thank you so much bethan um that makes so much sense so don't shovel your yeah because you are reliving your youth every year with them again and yeah you're not going to remember the baby Mm -hmm. stage but you're certainly going to remember the teenage stage And, and, and and if you do flip out i suppose don't blame them and take responsibility for it if you're acting like a lunatic yeah yeah. yeah, and just say, God, sorry. I mean, like, we laugh now, you know, my um, my kids, you know, because we all do shout at times. What is it my kids say to me? They're like, um, oh, went a bit crazy there, mom, didn't you? I'm like, I did. That means, I, I, you know, I need to have a seat and a break. And that's what you're teaching them is like, you know, I used to work in Pieta House, which is a suicide prevention place. And, and the biggest problem wasn't the feeling that someone was having. It was that they felt so bad about having it. You know, so being angry isn't really a problem. I mean, it is if you're doing dangerous things. But, you know, or, 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 or like feeling guilty isn't necessarily a problem, but it's if you feel so bad about it. So I think the one thing if we can teach kids is like, yeah, we all scream, we all shout, we all have thoughts we wish we didn't have. We all sometimes don't feel good enough. But that's all right. I'm here with you in it. And that's it, really. Oh, Come here, I don't know you at all, but we're friends now and you're stuck with me. 
and uh, and I found out that my friend. So I know your dad. I didn't know that. I mean, I literally don't know people around here. But we're during lockdown, we used to wave at your dad because he drives the milk lorry past our house every day. Oh, and he's retiring. He's Joe, Joe, Joe. He's he's a special unit. He's. He is, he is. So, and, I, and my friend um, Owen drives the milk lorries with your dad, Owen Bresnahan. Oh, and so it's wow. so funny the way White Church works, isn't it? Owen used you to know? help out in the farm. They lived in the farmhouse for a while while they were building their own place. If you ever get a chance to talk to my dad, have a, have, have a chat. Stop him and have a chat because I will do he's... I will do now I've had the permission because you never know do you know you oh know. just so thank you very much because he's been dragged on a podcast as well a couple of them so you, you've that in common anyway at least but he might make you have a Jameson <laughs> if he makes you have a Jameson take it just take oh, it take it would, would he get Great. any hot or cold look he whatever way you want it they could be lemons cloves he'll do whatever you need coffee whatever I, do. I love on yeah. a Friday, I have a hot toddy. I'm not a massive drinker because I have to get up with the kids the next day. But on a Friday, I have a hot toddy. And my God, it's gigantic. You know, it's like half a bottle in there. And, oh, I think uh, so you're yeah, going to be besties. You're going to be besties with Joe. Great. All right. I look forward to meeting you. Wow. Isn't she very calming? Yeah. I feel like I can just go and be a good parent now. And she had postnatal depression once. I like that because, no, sorry, I don't, sorry, no, Bethan, but I don't like that you had it. But there's nothing worse than getting parenting advice from someone who hasn't got a notion about what they're talking about. Sorry, no, like, but, you know, she's obviously been there, done that, got the pictures, had the bit of a crack up in the, whatever. Yeah, so I can relate to her and uh, hopefully we will meet in Whitechurch and we won't talk about porn to the village, probably, but uh, if we do, we do. OK, if you enjoyed the podcast, tell your friends. If you didn't enjoy the podcast, shut your hole and get Bethan O'Reardon on Instagram. She's very funny. Bethan.O'Reardon, B-E-T-H-A-N dot O'Reardon. And then on Facebook, it's Calm and Confident Parenting with Bethan O'Reardon. Yeah. And subscribe, obviously, and you'll get all those free tips. OK, bye bye. 